All right. I wanted to share with you from the scriptures this morning uh, a message I believe God has for me and you. Uh, it started uh, in El Paso, Texas, uh, at the Walmart a week or so ago, and it's been in Philadelphia this week. Uh, it's been in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I've been by that Gilroy Festival up in Gilroy, California. Have I named enough places uh, where terror and uh, violence uh, has attacked America? Uh, I just haven't mentioned Los Angeles, praise the Lord. But uh, it hits, and sometimes it hits surprising. Uh, It hasn't been increasing. And for those of you that know your Bibles, uh, the Lord said before he comes into history and wraps up history, things are going to get uglier. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, Before you and I, many of you and I were born, uh, President Eisenhower was president of the United States. He he was uh, president for eight years, and there was no act of terrorism. President Johnson was president. We have to skip a few years. Acts of terrorism, meaning more than one person, not an assassination of one person. Um, President Johnson won. Uh, It was down in Texas. Uh, President Nixon, uh, there were several, and then Carter, and then Reagan, and not just an, uh, an attempted assassination, but acts of terror by groups of people in the United States. Um, uh, there have been more. It's been increasing. Uh, there were four a month during President Obama's uh, presidency, during his eight years, four a month. Uh, right now, there's only two a month. But um, here in the last couple of weeks, we've had four <laughs> It's quite serious. Sometimes you say, God, where are you in all of this? Uh, This is crazy. Uh, Terrorism, assassinations. uh, And depending on your age and my age, uh, you'll remember some of these great acts. Can you remember back to the Olympics in Munich, Germany uh, in the 1970s? I think it was 1970. um, uh, The Jewish uh, athletes were gathered together. Can you think back uh, then? They wore black stockings over their faces because they didn't want to be recognized. Reminds me of uh, just yesterday up in Portland, Oregon, a group protesting, not killing people, though 13 were arrested, uh, wearing stockings because they don't want to be recognized. Um, 1980s, that jet over Scotland, Lockerbie, Scotland, you remember that bombing of that jet? Um, if you're a little younger, uh, 1995, the federal building that was blown up, 169 dead. If you're under 25 uh, today, uh, you might not remember if you're over 25, not September 11th. That's probably in American history will go down as the great um, act of violence. September 11th, 2001, uh, the World Trade Center, the two buildings. I had just visited there. I worked in New York for a while at one time and um, the buildings to see the jet go into the side of the building, um, collapsing a chain of events. Uh, It just won't be the same in America anymore. So what do you tell a church? What do you tell God's people? What do you tell the world in moments like this? Uh, There was a pastor that was worshiping uh, with our church family at the time uh, when the World Trade Center towers came down and he 
uh, was uh, retired already, uh, Pastor Frank, for those of you who remember. And I went to him and I said, what do you tell people? And I said, you were alive when Pearl Harbor was bombed and, uh, in 1941. And I said, what do you tell people? What did you tell people then uh, when you were pastoring people when Pearl Harbor was bombed? And uh, he said, well, let's go to the Bible. And we did. And we concluded we needed to give people hope. That's what you need to give. And if you're not careful, you'll look at El Paso, Texas, and you'll look at Dayton, and you'll look at Phoenix. And if you're not careful, you'll uh, get discouraged. You'll say, where is God in all these things? So if you have your Bibles with me, Psalm chapter 10 this morning. Psalm chapter 10. Hope in the face of terror. There it is. Psalm 10. I know Pastor Rick's been in the book of Romans and he and his son Gabe, who's now back east, uh, eating chili, uh, cheesesteak sandwiches. And I told Pastor Rick to bring one home for everybody in the church. You know. I, did. I told him to eat one every day. He's back there is what I told him. Uh, TSA wouldn't let him through with a suitcase full of cheesesteak sandwiches, I'm sure. But anyway, we roomed together up at uh, in Auburn, California here a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Roy and Gabe and Pastor Rick. And uh, Psalm 10. Next Sunday we'll stay in the Old Testament since Pastor Rick's been in the book of Romans. And uh, uh, we'll go to the book of Proverbs next week. But read with me. Follow along in your Bible. I'll read out loud. And Psalm 10. I've also included the text of scripture in your bulletins this morning, if that if that'll help. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised for the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten he has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear 
to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Amen. The Psalms, all of the Psalms, uh, the 23rd, Psalm 1, uh, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The last Psalm, all of the Psalms have two things. One, life is hard. You read Psalm 1, you read Psalm 2, you read Psalm, life is hard. But the other theme is God is good. Those two things are in every psalm. You say, well, I don't know. You keep those. You jot those down. Life is hard and God is good. Every psalm will have that as a key to help you understand it. So the psalmist in Psalm 10, though, uh, he struggles and he's having these emotions. What are they? Well, first, you're going to see his emotions as we go through the passage uh, of anger. And then you're going to see his emotions of grief. And then fear. And David works through these things. We'll just walk through the Bible, which is a good thing to do. Uh, His first emotion is in verse 1 and 2. The emotion of anger. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. Uh, The psalmist is angry. He sees things. It's like in El Paso. It's like, if you remember the Colorado shootings. Um, I remember when the plane went into the World Trade Center and the people on the news said what I was feeling. Oh, God, this is terrible. Stop it, Lord. Uh, The psalmist is saying that. He was angry. Where is God? What's going on? Why is this happening? Yes, when the World Trade, when the plane went into the building and we started hearing there were people trapped up on top above the plane, and people underneath that were trying to escape the building. And firemen going up the stairs to bring people down to save their lives. And they've become our heroes, haven't they? Yes. So David begins with a complaint. Um, Yeah, he's mad. Why is he mad? Because the bad guys are winning. The bad guys aren't supposed to win. At least that's what the Western movies say. John Wayne, you know, the good guys win. The bad guys go to jail. Absolutely. The bad guys were prospering. And this is what David was saying. Lord, uh, where are you? Why are you hiding? I need your help. You need to knock the bad guys down. And so David raises his fist and he says, God, uh, uh, what gives? Where are you? Um, I thought you're the God. You're the creator. You're the sovereign one. You're the fix things that are broken. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And you would hear today, no, Lord, stop it. God, stop it. Uh, when we saw these people being shot, whether it be Gilroy, Dayton, Philadelphia, uh, El Paso. Yeah. And you walk with God and I've walked with God and uh, we say, Lord, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Um, is this an OK question to ask God? Why are these things happening? Some people are afraid to ask those questions. Some of you may be afraid. Here's the Bible. The Bible, the psalmist is asking those questions when he had a time in his life where it looked like the bad guys were winning. It's okay to ask those questions. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your anger. He's not afraid of it. Oh, no, they're asking me a question. I don't have an answer for him. 
Let me tell you, though, there aren't easy answers for what happened in El Paso. Don't try to get an easy answer. There are no easy answers. Everything's difficult. Because here's why. Into the mix of life you have, number one, the sovereignty of God. God's in charge. Absolutely God's in charge. But you also have the sinfulness of human beings. You also have the fallenness of our planet. You also have the evil that Satan can create and stir up and mix all that in with what the devil's doing, catering then to the evil in people's human hearts as well. So, in the end, who's responsible? Yeah, they're trying to figure it out in El Paso and Philadelphia right now, aren't they? In Dayton and Gilroy. Who pulled the trigger? Who's responsible? Uh, let's uh, put the gun manufacturers uh, in jail. There just aren't any easy answers. And that's why when you have trouble about questions in life, go to the Bible. Let's go to God. So his anger, though, continues to simmer and, and surface. Look at verse 12. Where the psalmist says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Don't forget the afflicted. Arms were a symbol of strength in the Old Testament. You raise your arms, O Lord, that means come and rescue us. Come and help us, Lord. Raise your hands. Don't just sit there and do nothing. That's right. And we've had our leaders saying, we won't rest uh, until the turmoil in uh, Iraq and Syria is settled down and uh, those kinds of things. Hope in the justice of God. God, we want justice. Look at verse 14. It reminds us God sees the perpetrators. Psalm 10:14. You do see, Lord. You note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands to you the helpless commits himself. You've been the helper of the fatherless. There it is. God knows who they are. Absolutely, he knows. God knows who they are. God knows where they are. The people that were protesting up in Portland, Oregon yesterday, as I said, 13 were arrested. Um, they wore black masks. Some of them did. And they're, whether, whatever the political party here, the, the message here is from the Bible. Uh, there were people on both sides protesting yesterday, people on both sides arrested. But some didn't want to be seen. So they wore black masks. What does the psalmist tell us? <laughs> God knows who you are. He even knows your zip code. <laughs> he knows your social security number. Yep. You can't hide from God. Sometimes we think we can hide from God, don't we? You bet. Haven't you made that mistake? I've made that mistake. They can't escape the awareness of God. Remember the Unabomber, uh, some of you in your history books, the Unabomber, um, he thought he could get away with it for years and years. He thought he could get away and no one would know who he was. Finally, we gave him a name, Theodore Kaczynski. Yep. Verse 15, Psalm 10, break the arm of the wicked and evildoer, call his wickedness to account till you find none. Knock him down, Lord. Sometimes judgment falls in this life, doesn't it? How about Osama bin Laden? President, former President Bush, number two, uh, set in motion the process. And it took several years to hope bring Osama bin Laden into account in this world. Uh-huh. Another terrorist blew his legs off 
making a bomb. Uh huh. You know what? I've discovered nobody likes to talk about eternal judgment. It's not popular. Just you hear CNN talking about eternal judgment. They get away with it now. They'll get it in the day of judgment. Nope. No. Not too often. Psalm 10.15 says, break the arm of the evildoer. Yep. David says, and like David, we're angry. We don't like this. Wouldn't you like it all to stop? I'd love for it to stop. All this evil and all this evil doing and all this shooting. Claudia and I have a friend um, who lost a grandma in El Paso. And they went back for a funeral. It's tragedy. All of this is tragedy. Only people in El Paso hurt? No, everybody's hurt. Some of you may have had friends. I don't know. Maybe not friends. Maybe I didn't have a chance to... Pastor Rick and I were communicating this week electronically, and I didn't have a chance to ask him. The people shot. The officers shot in Philadelphia. The people innocently hurt and harmed. Um, Did he know any of them? Were they his friends or his neighbors? This is anger. Uh, There's anger in the the psalmist's uh, view of his life. And some of you may felt anger about things. There's also grief. Look at verse 17, Psalm 10. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Do you hear the sadness and loss? Yes. Uh, The symbol of strength, it ain't there. It isn't a symbol of strength. There's an emptiness that comes at time. Grief. Anger, yes. Grief also. Uh Weeping for people uh, that we don't even know, but we see pictures. We see enough pictures. I don't want to see any more. But I know people's lives have been changed forever and ever. Uh And David grieves in this psalm. And he goes to the Lord and he's angry and he goes to the Lord and he's grieving. And God knows who the perpetrators are and God knows who the victims are. He knows them each one. He knows them by name. He knows the hairs on their head. He knows where they live. He knows what they need. And he takes their hand to help them. Absolutely. That's what God's doing here in Psalm 10. And that's what God's doing in our world. Does God grieve over suffering people? Yes. Uh huh. Does God move into the lives of people who are suffering? Yes. When they invite Him. Mm-hmm. Can God arrange to bring people into other people's lives to help them in their distress and their grief? Absolutely. Some of you are here today because God brought somebody into your life. I don't know if you know down in Long Beach on Carson, it's Long Beach City College. My wife at one time was working in, or was attending Long Beach City College and, a, and uh, a friend of theirs had just died in a tragic accident and uh, she was uh, walking across the bridge. There's that bridge at City College that goes from the north part of the campus to the south part. And uh, um, uh, Claudia made reference to this friend of hers, Linda, who was a Christian. And she said, Linda, it's so good to know that our friend who's now dead is in heaven with God. And our Linda, who is still a friend of ours today, said to Claudia, my wife here, said, Claudia, she'll be with God if she invited Jesus into her heart. <laughs> but if she didn't, she won't be in heaven with Jesus. 
If she wanted to be there, in other words, she could be there. And Claudia had never thought about that. But she did, and as a result, my wife turned her life to Jesus Christ. You see, in our grief, sometimes God brings people into our life. She brought Linda in my wife's life, and God has brought other people into your life. That's right. God hears, He sees, He feels. The psalmist was feeling angry. And the psalmist was feeling grief. I'll tell you another thing. We all fear when uh, tragedy strikes, when terror strikes, when violence strikes. Uh, Not only do we feel anger and not only do we feel grief, and it's here in Psalm 10, we also uh, feel fear. We get fearful sometimes. And we get vulnerable, don't we? Yes. Check those locks. Yes. We have a son who's in law enforcement and... So sometimes we hear a little sooner than others about um, a knucklehead going through the neighborhood and trying people's front doors to see if they're unlocked in the middle of the night. Yikes. Clyde says, get up, check our door. (laughs) Yeah, you bet I'll check the door. Uh Uh-huh. Our neighbors a while back uh, found a suitcase at their front door. They called the police. The police called the bomb squad, L.A. County bomb squad. And the bomb squad came and they knocked on our door and they said, get out of your house immediately. We said, why? We're eating dinner. And they said, don't eat dinner. Drop everything. We said, why? They said, quit asking. (laughs) They said, "Um, we're the bomb squad. Is that enough? (laughs) Well, it turned out our neighbors who worshipped at our church with us at the time, uh, she was an attorney here in Southern Cal and handled domestic cases, and it turns out one of her clients who didn't like her um, put a suitcase at their front door. We were worried it was a bomb. It turned out to be full of junk. But uh, you never know, do you? See, So we thank the Lord for that protection. The world's a scary place, isn't it? The world's always been a scary place. Uh, One of our presidents in recent years said, Uh, Will eradicate all evil. Nope. 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 It ain't going to happen till what? Till God gets rid of all sin. See. It's the goal of the terrorists to cause us to lose faith in our structures of our system. It's also the goal of our terrorists, especially those of other religious groups, to cause us to lose faith. In heaven, in the God of heaven, in the God of creation, in his son Jesus, in his salvation. See, that's what the terrorists want to do. They want you to to quit trusting, to stop believing. And that's wrong. See, a random act of violence. Could it happen somewhere closer to home than it has? Yes. David took all of this to God. He took his anger. He took his grief. He took his fear. He took it to God. And he found hope in the purposes of God. There it is. Hope in the purposes of God. Look at verse 16, Psalm 10. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. The nations perish from his land. What's that remind us of? It reminds us God's in charge of this world. And he's in charge of human history. That's right. And he's granted sovereignty. 
There's freedom to rebel against God's ways. There's freedom to submit to God's ways. There's freedom to accept God's truth. There's freedom to reject God's truth. Absolutely. But in the end of it all, who's still in charge? God. Just because you say, I'm going to turn my back on heaven, doesn't mean heaven stops being in charge. Now, the one thing we want to do is have hope in God's purposes. And what are God's purposes? And God's still going to accomplish his purposes, isn't he? You bet he is. God's not stopping anything. Uh, the Christian song, that people, his truth is marching on, marching, God's purposes. God's in charge. He's going to accomplish his plan. He does give free will to you and I. Like the time I came back uh, uh, from a conference and my wife picked me up at LAX with our kids and we went up a street near our house and somebody decided not to obey the law and ran the red light and totaled our car and uh, caused all sorts of health problems for our family. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, God's purposes. What are they? What are they to be accomplished? Number one of God's eternal purposes is the people would be in a tragedy. Would People would be sensitive to him. Sensitive to him spiritually. And they have been, haven't they? And they were on 9-11. We um, put a sign up outside our church after 9-11. Uh, We're open for prayer, not extra service. Some churches did extra service. We just said open for prayer. And uh, a little while later, uh, one of the some of the leaders were with me and uh, a man in a brand new Mercedes pulled in. He said, I've never been to church. I need to pray. Can I come and pray? We said, come. He came to the forward to the altar and he prayed and we prayed with him and we talked with him and people came. People sought the Lord out after that. That's what's been happening in El Paso and in Philadelphia and in Dayton and in Gilroy and many of the other places. When was the last time businesses shut their businesses down, said, wait, wait, Macy's isn't going to be engaged in sales for an hour today. We're going to encourage our employees to go pray for an hour. Wouldn't that be great? It would be. The enemy thought they could turn people away from God. And many times Satan feeds that line to people. Turn people away from God. The psalmist in Psalm 10, his prayer is, Lord, use your hand. Put the enemy in his place. Draw people to you. That's your purpose. Draw people to you. Draw people to Jesus. Absolutely. Another of God's purposes is draw people together. Remember the floods in Houston? Uh, It doesn't have to be even a man-made terrorist act. It could be a natural act. Those floods in Texas, and there were no places to go turned out the churches, many of the churches were dry and uh, uh, they opened their churches up. It brought people together. One of God's purposes is to, to reconnect with people spiritually. Another of God's purposes is to draw people together in time of great need. And I pray that churches will do that. If uh, And there have been churches here in California that have done things. If uh, violence happens in the community, to respond and reach out and you folks have done things in the community to meet people's needs in time of crisis. It's a beautiful thing to do. It's a godly thing to do. Another of God's purposes eternally is to get rid of evil, eradicate evil. Your Bible, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, God says, there's going to come a time I'm going to say, enough of all this devil stuff. Be gone. 
And he's going to put the devil in the lake of fire for how long? Forever and ever and ever. God says, I'm done with him. Don't, wouldn't you like it to be today? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Great today to be done with him. No more packages from Amazon being stolen off your front porch, right? Amen. Nations have been committed to eradicating evil. Some nations, by mistake, have been committed to expanding evil in this world. But the vast majority of nations in the world are committed to eradicating evil. So am I saying that God engineered all these evil things to happen, to teach us a lesson? No, no. Uh, These things happened, and they were engineered by wicked people, inspired by an evil person, the devil. Engineered by wicked people who have made choices to listen to the voice of the devil, to Satan. Okay, what happened in El Paso? Evil. What happened in Dayton? Evil. I don't care political affiliation. There's people on both sides, all sides of the matter. It isn't the issue. They were listening to the devil in all matters. The taking of life is never of God. The giving of life, the saving of life, the protecting of life is of God. What's God able to do? He's able to rule and overrule to accomplish his will. And his will is that people would turn to him, that people would come to him. That's right. Anger, grief, fear. um, We got to bring them to God and hope. Hope how? Hope in God's justice. Hope in God's mercy. Hope in God's purposes. That's right. That's right. There's hope in all those things for you and I. And we can take comfort in all those things. Now, there's one more hope in all of these things of God's purposes. And that is the greater hope. The hope in the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And putting our faith in Jesus. That's the other hope. Not just hope uh, that we get rid of uh, problems on the earth. But we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the abundant eternal life. Uh, Romans 8, and we know that God is working all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. There it is. Does God have a purpose for your life, for your life, for your life, for your life? You bet he does. And that's to do what? To become more like Jesus, more like him. You got it. You got it. Uh Uh-huh. See, the source of all these problems isn't over there. It isn't in Iraq. It isn't in Iran. Uh, bomb Iran to hell and it wouldn't solve it. I've got some wonderful Iranian friends that are considering Jesus as their savior. And uh, I wouldn't want them to leave this earth not knowing where their eternal destiny is. It's the same thing with the people in North Korea. You reject God's wisdom? Don't do that. When we invite Jesus into our heart, into our life, we ask him to forgive our sins and we follow him as master and we begin to live life uh, the way he wants us to live it. There it is. That's hope. That's hope of life now. That's hope of life eternally. Uh, Yeah. Sooner or later, your day will come. Maybe it won't be a violent day, but I pray you'll be ready for that day. Those who have turned to Jesus Christ, your sins have been forgiven. You've been granted eternal life. Um, That hope's available to you. And you have it.
And what do we look forward to? We look forward to a day when we'll be the people God wants us to be and His kingdom will be the way here on earth. We pray it, don't we? In the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, be thee. thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as what? Is it? Is it oh, it's already that way in heaven. He, he's given us a level of freedom on this earth, though. We've screwed it up. Without His help, we've messed it up. And the key is we invite Him into our heart and our life. We live the way He's called us to live and calls us to live. There you go. And there's a day coming when man on earth won't be terrified anymore. When man on earth won't be terrified. Lord, I want that day to come. On earth as it is in heaven. When nobody's terrified in heaven because the devil doesn't have access to heaven. There it is. There it is. Would you bow with me in prayer? We'll have our clo- then we'll have a closing song after we pray. Thank you, Lord, for these words that speak to our need and our hurt and our fear and some days, Lord, our anger and our grief for our friends who have lost loved ones in one of these tragedies. Take all of our words, Lord, and cause it to bring comfort and strength and hope. We would be your people and the instruments of your grace to share hope with a world that needs it so bad. In Jesus' name, amen.
Gracias.